Hello, hello, my dear audience. I am Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Thank you very much to those who send me emails. I'm always happy to hear from you. And those who would like to write to me and do not have my email yet, uh, my address is drpeterresnick at gmail.com. I welcome your emails, and also if you want to call me during this show or any of my shows, you can call with your comments and or questions. Uh, the number is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. On February 23rd, right after we spoke, I believe about the night dreams, uh, we started our journey through this program, Six Pillars of Well-Being based on my upcoming book, the same title. One pillar after another, we have been plowing through. Some of you really started doing the work. I know it through your emails, from your emails. And last week, I guided you through seven mental exercises, discovering the unconscious beliefs about life. That was already the fourth pillar. And we even started working on the fifth pillar, our conscious beliefs and attitudes. I addressed the first of the challenges within the conscious attitudes, the guilt. And next week, we'll continue our journey. And I will talk about judgment, arrogance, and possibly, if you have enough time, jealousy. One by one, we'll cover all the 13 challenges. If you're interested in starting from the beginning, you can find all the shows um, on the archives of the PRN. But today, as I promised, ladies and gentlemen, I have a very uh, super special guest, my good friend, Madame Marion Blick, uh, who is a French psychologist and healer. She was trained in psychology in France, but also got interested in therapeutic approaches that integrate the mind and the body. Then I, she got married, came to the United States, and continue learning more tools, powerful tools. She is not only a psychologist and a healer, she's also writing. Uh, she is probably one of the most serious spiritual seekers I've ever met. And not through talking about spirituality, but through living it. I, when I'm thinking about it now, I could have a whole show about my own life, something <laughs> like <laughs> La vie de mon ami Marion. Uh, sounds better, more uh, mysterious in French. About her discoveries of life and of healing techniques. Uh, if I remember correctly, in, back in France, she studied Gurdjieff and Uspensky philosophers and spiritual teachers and lived even in the Gurdjieff community. Uh, she will correct me if my memory is not great. Uh, and she studied Kabbalah. In fact, uh, she and I uh, belonged to a group that probably 25 years ago that studied one book of a Kabbalist, Ari Kaplan. I believe it was in a space. We met for a couple of years and studied the book. It was a very, very interesting experience. So Marion mastered a variety of powerful healing techniques 
such as EFT, the ma matrix reimprinting, if I could say it correctly, and TAT. Yes. That's a very powerful, right? TAT. Yes. I, I, in fact, she taught me TAT, and I used, and um, if she has time, um, she will talk about it. Um, I used that technique. It's a very powerful technique. But um, when I spoke to Marion, and I will give her the floor in a, in a minute. When I spoke to Marion and asked her what she wanted to talk about, and we could really have for, for several shows, she actually decided to uh, talk today about something else, not those techniques, but about relationships. And in fact, it's a subject of one of the books that she wrote. And unfortunately, they are not yet translated into English. So we'll ask for the, the title and the content, and she will tell us all about uh, the book and the subject. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, here is Marion Blick. <laughs> bonjour, bonjour. Welcome, bonjour, Thank you for all this incredible introduction, and uh, thank you for having me. That was me. a short introduction. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so, yes, um, I wrote two books. One is on, about toxic relationships, but in fact, and it's in French so far, hopefully, and in Korean and Greek, but not in English. And I wanted to speak about attachment styles because they are a little bit well-kept secrets. They are known in the field of psychology, but most we all have an attachment style, and most of people don't know it. So I wanted to, to talk about that because it affects absolutely every aspect of our life the 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 faith and you know the sense of our sense of security and safety the trust the trust in ourselves and our worth and our value the trust in the world or social interactions or primary relationships how we feel the connection to our own body or sensation or emotions or self-esteem and I'll Marianne, can, can I ask you something, yeah. uh, yeah. When I was thinking about your, your presentation, I, I had this thought. Is, uh, is it your original idea or it's connected to object relations theory? But remember Melanie Klein? And no, no it's, it's, it's actually, it was discovered um, in the 40s by really terrible, you can see actually terrible videos with spits working on orphans in orphanage in England and they realized that some children were making it, some children were not making it. And after that, through the years, Bowlby, it's an English school, Bowlby started to really try to understand these different and discover there were different ways of relating to the mother and he created these four categories. But now his neuroscience has evolved even more because now that we can understand how the brain works, communication. So it's something that has been evolving more in the Anglo-Saxon countries. You know, Europe, France is too much Freudian. They didn't, but they're just going to it now. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I wanted to speak about the different styles and how they are created. So um, an important point is that uh, the, a human being is a mammal, and mammals need to breastfeed, and so they need to be close to their mother. And 
the not only the human is a mammal, but is a very premature mammal because most of animals walk the minute they're born. But because of the evolution of the brain, the, the baby is born without being able to move. I mean, he can crawl at six, eight months and walk at one year old. But in the first few six months, and even the, the first year, his nervous system is very primitive. And if you see a newborn distressed because he's hungry or he's wet or he's afraid, it's a very, the mother needs to really lend her own nervous system to quiet the baby. A baby cannot, cannot be left crying. And unfortunately, they are left crying. It needs, the, 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 the term used in psychology is to regulate, to regulate himself, to appease himself. He needs an adult, the mother usually, or the caretaker or the father. So um, there is four scenarios possible. So the first year, the mother will be really following the, the baby. If the baby is hungry, she needs to understand, attune to him and feed him. If he's wet, hopefully she will change him. If he needs to be consoled, he's afraid at night, she needs to go and take him and secure him. It's really the mother needs to be attuned and, and follow the lead of the baby in the first few months. And if the mother is doing that in a way that is secure, predictable, she understands what he needs, of course, she will put words. She will say, oh, you cry, you got afraid, oh, come here, I will change you. You know, there is a whole, even if the child doesn't speak, there is a whole uh, mentalization worth put on the experience of the baby. And the baby feels care and loved and cherished and important and valued. It will slowly download a little bit like a computer program. You know, it's called an internal work, working model that the mother is good, that he is good, he's a good kid, he's, some, he's loved, he's valued. And after the, the first year, of course, he will start to explore, either he will crawl or walk, and the mother was, will encourage him, she will continue to follow him, you know, like toddler that you know the mother follows. And every time he, he goes explore, the mother will encourage it and love it and when he comes back he will be also cherished so he started to get an autonomy and explore the world and come back and around two years old the, the child starts speaking and really the the, the, the brain continue to to evolve and settle so these first years are very very essential so now we talk about the secure mother Imagine that the mother is not attuned. Either she's herself anxious and she needs to check if the baby is breathing. She needs to check. She's always just, oh, I forgot to tell you something very important. A good mother is available 33% of the time. Because, of course, the mother, she needs to take a shower. She's working. So, of course, there is this, what we call... Um, disruption in the connection, they need to be repaired. So a good mother will, of course, there is mo a moment she cannot come pick up the kid right away or the bottle is too hot or whatever, and she will repair. You know, there is always disruption 
and repair. And actually, this is the best prediction of a secure, solid attachment. It's because there is it, it's rupture and repair, rupture and it becomes flexible. Imagine a mother that is totally anxious herself and is not trusting that the baby is breathing when he sleeps, not letting anybody touch the baby. She's very anxious and she keeps the baby for herself. She's not attuned to the baby. She wants the baby as an object to really make herself secure. It will create several types of attachments. There is two ways to go. Either a child will say, wow, she's too smothering, it's too much, I will become avoidant, I will become distant, I will try to escape from her grip in a way. It, it, it's all will... happening unconsciously as, as what, as brain imprints, or how does it work? Excuse me, Peter, what did you say? I, I, I say, so, and it's, so, all, so child... it, it's, all store, it's all stored as in a child's brain as an imprint, or how does it operate? When, when this is you happening, know, it, with this, this. It's, imprint, it's imprinting, you know, a baby is a lot of emotion, a lot of sensations. So it can be sensation of fear, of anxiety, of and also imprint of some developmental traumas, you know. Uh, of, um, so the, the, the baby, even in utero, can feel the anxiety of the mother. You know, there is some, some tests done. I, I work with, with some children that were unfortunately in Algeria in, during the war, that explosion. And you, you see a, a baby can be startled in the womb. So it, it's imprinted in the cells at that level, in the, in the brain, in the cells, in the body as emotion and, and anxiety. And that's what we will see because actually um, um, the the, the children will get avoidant. They will um, try to escape to the, the invasion of the mother. But if you, you, you know, now they, they study that, if you put electrodes, the baby is anxious or the child is anxious, but doesn't show it. He shuts down. He cuts himself from his sensation. He cuts himself from his emotions. Or a baby will become anxious. And you see this baby that cannot be given to the grandmother, left at daycare, they cry constantly. They are not able to separate of the mother from the mother. And you will see these hyper-anxious children that cannot be left anywhere. And it's, it's a problem because they are not able to be autonomous. They're unable to explore. They're so worried. There is a special experiment that... Uh, you do for they're so worried they look at the mother and when the mother comes back they continue to cry because they are not able to appease themselves they need to be glued to the mother and the fourth type so you have secure you have avoidant avoidant also can be with a mother that is absolutely not attuned you know a lot of Mother in Europe, Germany are very good at taking care of things, but they are not very emotional. So they have the children to be independent too early. School starts at two in, in France, and it's free. The children need to have no diapers to be. So the, the, the mother 
train the child to obey, to 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 be um, potty trained too early, to be like a little adult too early. The, the responsibilities and, and status, status given to the child is to be too early a grown-up. And it creates avoidance because it's too early. They need their mother much more. So they, they take care of themselves. They manage themselves. It's very and it's praised in society. Also, is doing all everything himself. No, you know there is this kind of coordination with one another, the mother and the child, that needs to be set in the beginning of life. Mm-hmm. And there is a fourth. So there is avoidant, distant. There is anxious, and there is also uh, disorganized. And that's when a parent is sometimes good. But for either psychiatric reason, addiction, you know, parents who are alcoholic, you know, they're great. But when they're alcoholic, they can have tantrum, they can scream, they can pass out. You know, depressed mothers that have no emotion and expression, sick mothers. Psychiatric mother, borderline mother that are sometimes very scary. Every time a, a parent is good, but sometimes she gets very scary for the child, it disorganizes the attachment. So the child, of course, wants an adult and will go toward the adult, but he never knows if the adult will be safe or not, dangerous or not, uh, hurtful or not. So it creates a, a chaotic because there is no solution. Distant as a solution, which is distance, the avoidant. The fusional uh, and uh, anxious as a solution, which is to get close to the other and to be regulated, get his safety from the proximity. But the disorganized attachments are going back and forth. And even, and we will see now what it, what's happening on, when people are adults, they will they will go towards but they will the the, the uh, another person but they do everything to be rejected or they do everything to create conflict they don't trust the other and it's certainly the most painful situation for human beings mm-hmm. so it's not the diagnosis because it can change through life you know if you you know since we are in uh, the, the brain has incredible flexibility. The neurons are always pruning and rebinding and reconnecting. And you can stabilize your unsecure attachment as well as the secure attachment, even if it's a good prediction of resilience through life. Imagine, you know, uh, you're in Africa and you see all your tribe being slaughtered. You might change your attachment. It's something that evolves. It's a way to appease yourself in a relationship. So the good news, it can change through therapy and through being with somebody secure. Mm-hmm. So it may so, happen, Marion, if I understand correctly, it may happen simply naturally because of, of quote, healthy connections, or it can happen through a deliberate, intentional work. Or as our friend Jerry Epstein used to say, you cannot disown what you don't own. So a person has to own first, recognize his or her style, and then make a conscious choice to change it. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh But you can change it only 
in a relationship. So either in a therapist that does, there is a technical modality called AEDP that is really based on attachment, really work with a therapist that is trained to be working with attachment because you know, all these minute, minute attunement of, of voice, of looking at the person, it will become central. The bond, the link, the, 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 the bond with the therapist will become the, the place where the attachment is repaired. As in real life, you know, if you, have, if you are an avoidant and you get married to a secure person, it will not be triggered if you go away, if you're not if you're aloof, but slowly, since he's not triggered, you will be able to come closer and relax and slowly come a little bit like a wild animal or a stray animal that you tame slowly will know, wow, I, I can be there, he will not invade me, or can I can be there with him and he will take care of me. He, he understands my needs, so it will be a new experience. I think you learn by experience. Marion, what they tell me in the studio, our average uh, listener, our audience is uh, middle age people. So they yeah. already, so we're talking about people who are somewhere between 40 and 50. And yes. Maybe. So they already lived a big chunk of life and experienced yeah. relationships. So would you, would you give us examples of possible patterns within the, or, or what you call attachment styles of adults in different relationships. Possibly our listeners could, some could Absolutely. recognize themselves in them and Absolutely. then guide us, tell us what can they do? And also, actually there are two questions. What can they do in preparing themselves to do the work? And then if the, are there um, attachment therapies? I, you know, I didn't hear yeah. Uh, you know yeah. this kind of term. I yeah. know there are yeah. there are yeah. therapists who are specializing in depression yeah. or in marriage yeah. counseling, oh, yeah. but attachment yeah. it's it's not a common thing in America. So so the first question, uh, if you remember, okay. and the second, would you address that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I learned later in life about attachment, and you realize if you have attachment difficulties because you choose unconsciously very often people that are not a good match or you re, you know, if you had a disorganized mother, maybe you have a tendency to find disorganized people, you know, it's, it's very curious how we choose our mates. So the best outcome if you are avoidant or anxious or disorganized is definitely to have a secure person because that's the best outcome for everybody because they are relaxed, they are trusting, they are fluid, they don't need you, you can go away, you can come back. They are easygoing people, they are secure, they are safe, they are um, easy to live with because they don't, they don't need you. They love you, they enjoy being with you, but there is no, they, don't, they are not too reactive to the distance of the avoidant or the intrusion of the of the anxious, but unfortunately, very often we we mix and match in the not optimal way. So you can have anxious anxious, 
and it can be a couple that is, you know, some people do everything together. They cannot be separated. They never go anywhere without one. If one goes to the addresser, the other is waiting in the car. And, you know, it was also a, an old style of, of living. But some people are, text, you know, you see anxious people. They are very, I mean, you know, I'm describing, again, I wanted to tell you there is a, a, a old spectrum of possibility of being anxious. Some people are anxious. They cannot be once again alone. They're always texting different people in conversation. They cannot be alone. They're too anxious. And there is people who have anxious tendency. And the same, you have avoidant tendency, and there is people who live recluse in, on, in the forest, don't speak to anybody, and go to the shopping at night. But it, it, there is a lot of, of, of shades of gray, as we say. Yeah, but Marion, let's take one. Let's take one particular couple. Let's say yeah. uh, people both driven by anxiety, and, and many of our listeners, I hope, uh, are in one of those healthy, balanced relationships that you uh, describe. Yeah. But so, let's say, but some uh, uh, in this anxious, one, independent relationship. So what? And I have my tools dealing with it, but I would like to hear what what you would do and what you can suggest. Uh, how would a couple start um, working on themselves if they find themselves in this anxious relationship? Uh, either they cannot live it without uh, one another or they're bickering constantly. And so what do they do? Okay. So, you know, uh, I think um, when you're discovering, we are... And before, Peter, I would like to speak on one particular couple that's especially uh, complicated, if you don't mind, because after sure. that, I, I would be able to. You know, so anxious, anxious, they kind of have a solution. They do everything together, live together, and, and they're happy ever after because they're perfect. They, they, they feel the same. They do the same. Sometimes it's difficult for the children because they might not be too interested in their children. It's couples that go on vacation and put children in the camp, you know, because their connection to each other is more important. But one couple that is very uh, tricky is um, anxious, what I call fusional in my, in my book, and avoidant, because the fusional won't contact one's contact, but the avoidance, not, and I wanted also to tell you something uh, to the listeners. In the beginning of relationship, everybody's at its best behavior. It's until you live together or you get married that things start to unravel. So when you date somebody, they are showing their false self. They're wonderful. They love, they're, they're, they're seducing you. And it's great because you, you need that to bond. Like the baby needs the birth to bond with the mother. The, you, your best behavior, it's, it's false behavior, it's false self. But it, it's, you idealize the other or it's wonderful. And, but it's when you get entrapped in an apartment or in a couple or with a new baby that things start to unravel not in a good way so the the anxious person was have, will have a lot of bid for connection texting wanting to spend the weekend watching the same series and the avoidant will be will feel trapped it will feel trapped 
and he will try to use his way to deal with entrapment, distance. So he will start coming late from work. He works all weekend in his garage on the car. He doesn't talk that much. You know, avoidant are not very talkative, you know, for them uh, to get to get in a relationship, it's it's a little bit too much too much sensation. They you know they might avoid sex. You know they they're slowly getting away. So the more get away, what do you think the anxious person will do, Peter? Try and cling and accuse the other person. Yeah, cling him, cling to him. Say right. Uh, I've been more Ac accuse like, the person you don't really love me, you don't care, you don't yeah. respond you know, to my in needs. The beginning, of I'm staying alone with a baby, you go play pool with your friends, you know, you started to go to the gym, you know, in, in France, bicycle is great. So they come back from work, they jump on the bicycle, they go bike for three hours, and they go to the gym for three hours. So, because to be alone for them, it's they're quiet. So the more the, the, the woman is asking for a bit for contact, the more he feels invaded and he starts rejecting her or she feels rejected. So, okay, the, the woman say, okay, I don't, I don't take care of you. I will do, I will go out with my, the best scenario, I will go out with my girlfriend and actually I will start doing my stuff and I will go to my parents on the weekend. But my avoidance, he wants contact, right? He wants to be in a relationship too. So when, when the woman goes away, and it's also when it's dating time, he comes back, right? Because he wants contact. He says, by the way, next weekend, can you stay here? We can do something together. So we re-engage the, the woman, right? Mm -hmm. And it can go like that for years because Nobody is happy. The avoidant will always feel intruded and it's too much and he's too needy, she's too clingy, she has too much needs. And again, the anxious also sometimes have a high sex drive, not that much for sex, but for contact, cuddle, contact, love. In intimacy, so, connection, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. And so the avoidant feels that also, um, I'm talking about sexuality, the avoidant feels so he, he, he minimizes his need for sexuality, and the avoidant is great to not have physical needs or emotional needs. He's always suppressing it because very early he cut his head. He's all in his head. He's not connected. So what will happen? Usually the woman starts to pull the alarm and say, we need to go to therapy. I think to go to couples therapy is a good beginning. You know, uh, couples, family counseling, it's good. If you, you need to start to talk about it, but it's very difficult because none of them know they have internal, and so they, try, they, they don't understand. So I think to have a good talk about their family origin and their dating history, and if you can have a real good talk, that's great. There is somebody I love is John Gottman. He has had a lab in, a, I think it's in Minnesota for 40 years, and he's recording. He has been recording, I think he stopped now, couples for 40 years, three generations of couples mm -hmm. right now. He has the parents, the grandparents, the parents, and the children. And you can Same see patterns, the yeah. Same pattern. What? 
Yeah, they yeah, have the often, same patterns. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because in a family, you can have children who respond to the same parents differently because, you know, we, as you know, we are all born with a morphology, some traits that are already inborn, uh, 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 character. And so you're not born exactly the same as your brother. And it depends also on your place. If you have seven children, if you're the firstborn, if you, you know, if you're a boy and a girl, all of that in the family, you can have several different responses to an in intruding, anxious mother. Right, so it's also it's a vast variation according to your type, your 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 personality type. So, but let's I, let's say, Marion, let's. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, let's say yeah. this. We, we have this couple, avoidant and and uh, needy, and yeah. um, anxious, needy, and they're they're in your office, and they present, they tell you their story. So, what do you do? What what okay. what is so, the next step? First, Once you rec they uh, recognize that yes, they they grew up this way, they developed these patterns, they developed let's call it not so functional attachment style. What's next? What is your okay. first, uh, guide? First, I don't do I don't do couples therapy. I'm not a couples therapist, but usually it's because the wife would drag her husband in therapy, avoidant don't go to therapy. Then they go to therapy when the, their world is collapsing, burnout because they work too much, their wife asks for divorce, a child gets in trouble or dies. They need right. a very big what trigger do you do then? to go what to therapy. What do you do? What, what is your, like you say I you don't, don't go, do I couples don't, therapy. I, I, no. Do? So but I what, recommend what, that each, let me, I recommend that each of them have individual therapy, individual therapy with a different therapist. And they do also couples therapy. And that might be enough, you know, to make them aware of their patterns. You know, the avoidance doesn't want always change. So you need to be willing to change. You need to be feeling the suffering from the other, which is not always easy. And you know, they need, you need to have an empathy and compassion to realize that it's, a, it's just an attachment style that can change. But, it, you know, as you know, it's work to work on a relationship. So the best outcome, I think, it's individual therapy. And that can already change a lot of things. Even if one person in the couple does uh, therapy, she can slowly educate. It all depends on the partner educate or not take things so personally. You know, when you take things personally, you think, oh, he doesn't like me, he doesn't like my body. And if you realize, actually, it has nothing to do with you, it has nothing to do with the intrusiveness, the proximity is too much for him. It could be anybody, right? Yeah, and yeah, so right. slowly you will learn, the, you will teach the anxious to regulate herself or himself. So I, have, I use a lot of energy psychology exercises, EFT, and also I will work on the trauma of that of 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 um, uh, developmental trauma of the person and change them in matrix imprinting so that she slowly changes internal working model and she well, starts to regulate well, herself, become sorry. more autonomous. Yeah. You you use these terms, but many people may not know when you say EFT, I know what you're talking about, but yeah. would you uh, yeah. explain what, what each of these techniques 
uh, uh, so I, I work a lot with EFT and it's part of the what they call energy psychology, which is a new I mean a new development. It has maybe 30 years ago. All the use of uh, acupuncture points. It's called emotional freedom technique. Tapping. It's called also or just holding different acupuncture points working with the energy of the chakras and a lot of different exercise, brain gym exercise, how to really, uh, now there is a, the polyvagal theory of Stephen Porges, how we, there is simple exercise, simple movement, simple actions you can take to regulate yourself instead of asking your partner to do it. So you take time out, you know that it's, you need 20 minutes to have the cortisol go down into your system either you but you don't want to you don't want to rupture the so you always tell you know i go in my bedroom i am I'm, I'm going to take a walk for 20 minutes around the block i am right back you don't want to jump in your car and leave you never want to threaten the bond but you say i need to quiet myself because i am activated or right now i'm anxious or mine i'm so angry so it's take responsibility for your emotion and your regulation, especially when it comes to rage, anxiety, right? So I teach my clients to regulate themselves. That's what I do. And after that, you can have a couple of more, it's all depend on the situation of couple therapy, family therapy, to try to see how you can bring the the progress and the change done in the individual session and find tools to work with each other when you want to stay together, of course, right? You know, not by chance, I yes. called this show, uh, Dr. Resnick, Toolbox. I'm in, very interested in uh, offering people specific tools, even at now, as we talk, maybe you can, I, I understand you cannot start start doing the treatments it's very hard uh, to do that right now, but maybe you can suggest. Okay, you can you can read this book or this article that will give you at least a sense of what it is. Because a lot of people, in my experience, a lot of people actually write to me. The listeners to this show wrote to me. There are so many things out there available. How do I know what's the right thing for me? So maybe what would you suggest that people could read, for example, about EFT, emotional freedom technique, where they could, you, you know, there are actually, uh, or particularly in EFT, I forgot the name, the person who started it. Yeah, there, is, he actually was, there is somebody who is very, very famous now in, uh, he's actually from Connecticut. It's Nick uh, Ortner. And uh -huh. he's young and he has done a, a great work. Uh, I don't know, I don't remember, um, maybe the tapping solution. Nick Ortner has a lot of, he has an app in okay. your phone. And it's, you know, EFT, it's 14 meridians, 14 points of acupuncture. I cannot show you that on the, on the radio. Right. If right. you go online, you go EFT points and you just tap on them. I'm likely, and you have a lot of videos, I'm sure, but Nick Ortner is not bad. EFT Universe also, EFT Universe uh, website should have, uh, unfortunately, a lot of my, my material is in English on my site, but you know you can find EFTs everywhere, and uh, it's good to know. Sometimes one point is enough, 
But it's good also just to say, okay, I take, you know, it's like in the plane, they say, put your oxygen mask on, a mask on you before taking care of others. It's so good to say, uh, there is so many little points, little movements, little exercise you can do to quiet yourself. But just, just when you're really in the heat of a fight, say, you know what? I need, I am activated, I am triggered, just to realize you are getting out of yourself with anger, anxiety, frustration. Stop, stop, because nothing good can happen from there. Say, okay, we are activated right now, 20 minutes. Go take a shower, go for a walk, see a series for 20 minutes. Uh, I prefer, you know, to do something physical, Let's and you 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 separate, you change space. It's enough to to help the escalation of horrible thing, which sometimes turns even into violence, verbal abuse, and name callings, and and so it's it's important to it's important to know the threshold when you activate it and you're getting too much. So Very often, I, I recommend that people do the opposite, you know, let's say if they're too hot, some people become too hot, very, very hot, they're, yeah. they're anxious, yeah. so I, I suggest that do, they do the opposite, they, they take, wash their face with cold water, and then my suggestion very often, if, if there is a heated argument, to say, let's take time, and then they go and write down what they want to say, because very often people begin to interrupt each other. So to write Absolutely. down in the best possible way. Once you're writing, already you're thinking differently. Different part of the brain is thinking. Uh, so it's yeah. activated. So and then to exchange the the letters with the intent to make your case as clear as possible. Also explaining your understanding of the other person's point. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, Peter, it's, it's, great, it's great tools, but it's already very evolved tools because it's uh, tools of left brain. When people are triggered, they are in their right. emotional brain and they don't think. So it's already very evolved what you offer. Because, so so you I suggest something physical, physical, really, to interrupt, yeah, to make an interruption. But come back, not not go in your car. And so many times, you know, people go away and it get more anxious. Or the children are afraid. Or the mother goes in the nightgown in the neighborhood. Don't do that. It's too scary. I wanted to say something about uh, conflict um, mm -hmm. because it's important to know. Um, uh, John Gottman in his laboratory, he can see after three minutes. Couples come for 24 hours. They hope to monitor, they register, everything, they film. And you can know about three minutes now after 40 years if it's a couple that will get a divorce or not. So mm. what do you think are the, the predictor of... Uh, how, how, how do you think, Peter, he can predict that? I, I, several I things come to my mind. Whether, whether or not people have eye contact, that's one thing that comes to me. Uh, mm -hmm. The next one, uh, if people are able to take a pause, which means to quiet down and give a ch the other person chance to talk. So okay. this is another one. Actually, uh, actually, yeah. it's good. It's good points, but it's a very surprising 
answer is a capacity to be in conflict without losing contact. So it means that, you know, you arrive in a hotel room and say, what time do you do? What side do you want? I want the right. Oh, I want the right. So, you know, people, people are always mismatching because that's life. It's absolutely normal. You want to be real. You want to be true. You don't want to be, I'll say, whatever, darling. You want to be real. So a real couple, people are autonomous, and of course they will disagree. So it's a capacity of disagreeing without losing the contact. As you say, eye contact, if somebody is kinesthetic, touch the shoulder and say, oh, yeah, me too. You know, it's, uh, it's not losing the other, not becoming the enemy of the other. Mm-hmm. Another thing is the bid for contact. The woman will say, oh, look, there is a boat, because it's in front of a river. There is a boat passing. And if the husband is playing in the thermostat and ignore the wife, it will not go well. So the husband must be able to be interested, like a baby that points the mother. The guy will say, oh, but, oh yeah, you're right, it's a great boat. You need to be interested in the world and the 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 direction of of attention of the person you know otherwise you live on separate islands and it's not good so it's this staying connected is so important for a baby at every age and you know nothing is is worse than avoidance that never hears or never answers or you you call them 30 times, finally they come, you know, there is a lot of passive aggression to, you know, you ask them to come back with uh, uh, butter and eggs and they come back with artichokes and strawberries, you know, and they say, yeah, I brought back something. You know, all these little myths are so important in a couple. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, that's about pain. You remember Colette used to say, the quality of one's life depends on the acuity of one's attention. It's being attentive yeah. to what the other yeah. person says or, or needs. That's very interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you know, if you, if, it, it's absolutely true. But when you're anxious, for instance, and, and then you imagine the little anxious baby, an anxious woman will be in her phone, making sure that she's answered to texting, so she's not present to the world. And an avoidant will, will totally suppress its sensation and emotions. If you disconnect, a lot of, a lot of um, disorganized people are also, um, how do you call, dissociated. So how do, you cannot be present. That's why I really believe body work is so essential. You cannot be present to the world, to the others, if you're so anxious inside and so worried about your internal monologue. Or, so it's, it's very hard to be present, as we know, with Ma- meditation or presence, right? Yeah, Marion, uh, when you say yeah. body work, I, I would like you to specify so people would know you're, what you're talking about. Are you talking about mm-hmm. yoga? You're talking about chiropractic work. What is it? Being connected with your you body? Know, what are you talking about? I, I think if you have a, a lot of trauma of attachment, somatic experiencing, a massage that is very uh, conscious, uh, it can be yoga classes, you know, yoga classes with a teacher that is very attuned, anything that is slow, reconnecting with the body, um, yes, yeah, somatic experiencing, massage, uh, 
you know, some acupuncture are, are good. You know, it all depends on the practitioner, but some something that makes you connect with your body, you you know, everything that is uh, neuroceptor, what you feel in your body. A lot of people, you ask them, what do you feel in your body? Because I work a lot with emotion, and they have not a clue. They say, I don't know, my body. Are you, when you you you're anxious, where's your anxiety? Oh, I don't know. It's yeah. in my head. People, right. People said, are totally disconnected. Yeah. When yeah. when any any true feeling, and not even emotion. Emotion really, it's a feeling that yeah. was expressed outside. But any true feeling is a physical event, and it's not even part yeah. of the language in people. People. Yeah. Yes. Lexicon. Yeah. Uh, Marion, would you, you do me a favor yeah. now? Would you yeah. go over and say again these four dysfunctional or unhealthy attachment styles so that if anybody can relate to them, they recognize it at least in themselves and become aware and, and kind of uh, possibly discuss it with their partner. Yeah. What are the four styles? You, Would you repeat them? Yeah. You know, I wanted to correct a little bit the way you say it because the attachment style, it's a way to deal with anxiety when the, the insecure attachment style, and it's not a pathology, so it's not dysfunctional. It's uh -huh. a way to deal, to regulate yourself. It's really about the anxiety of being connected. You know, we are mammals, we need, we are, we are our mind, is, our brain is totally made to be mirrored by somebody else. Or by the world, so, be that. So, would it be correct? Say it's a, your survival mechanism. You do your very it's best survival, to survive. Yeah. You develop this yeah. way, but so, the, but then it funny. can be, it can cause this dysfunction within the relationship. I, I, Absolutely, but the person is not, I don't want to say, because it's really a very adaptive. If you have a mother that is neglectful, it's great that you're able to take care of yourself alone early. Mm -hmm. But then mother, you pay the price. But then later you pay the price the and your partner pays is the price. It, yeah, it stays, it stays across the, the ages. Sometimes it changes because, you know, you can have a teacher that sees you for the first time or you can have a uh, stay in a, in a boarding school and find somebody. You know, sometimes you have really adult that can or a neighbor that sees you and helps you you know sometimes you have other adults and your family that that save you and teach you another way of being attached so it's a way to regulate it can evolve through time and it's not a condemnation and but it right. takes work sometimes so there is secure is secure it's not a problem at all it's great a lot of resilience to life there is anxious it means that people cannot they need somebody else close to them constantly close to them to feel good to feel regulated to not feel anxious so separation for them equal anxiety and there is the avoidance that is proximity for him it's the opposite proximity anxiety he is afraid to be invaded intrusion is a big intrusion by somebody who is not good it's really really so he takes care of himself he becomes ultra independent a lot more men are distant a lot of more women are anxious 
and it's a long topic to explain why. And the last of the three um, insecure attachment is disorganized. Usually there is a traumatic event in, in life with the mother, good thing, but very scary thing, traumas, mental illness, abrupt separation, repeated separation, trauma in the environment, it might be war, refugees, catastrophe. Uh, you know, when the, the world which should be secure suddenly become totally frightening, that's uh, disorganized. And let's say it's 5% of the population, it's minor, but there is a lot of them. For instance, in France, there is a lot of them because, you know, we had two, three major wars one after the other, and the war took their toes. The men go to fight, and the women stay alone at the farm, deal with the farm and babies, and they are overwhelmed. So, you know, it's, uh, you, it trickles down in, in um, mm -hmm. lineage also. But the good news, the good news for everybody listening, you can repair it any age, you can change it, you can become aware, you know, it's it's uh, we are at a time thanks to neuroscience thanks to all the discovering psychology all the somatic work we are in an era i would not have said that 20 30 years ago we are in an era where all of that needs to be can be changed so what i want is to really reach young people because that's, that's you know when you start dating online and all of that you can see you know the avoidant are dating online and every time they're two three months you know usually the woman wants to know if there is a commitment or they're getting steady and they, they go from women to women because they, they're fleeing they're flying you know they don't they don't want to be attached and uh, it's very hard for women but uh, it can it can change it can change you need to work on yourself the first thing from what i hear is the very first thing is to recognize, to become aware without judgment, to become aware of the patterning. Absolutely. And that will permit you to, excuse me, that <clears throat> will permit you to start working on changing the pattern. Is that, that yeah. right? Yeah, you yeah. stop yeah, being a victim. Instead of being blindsided and <clears throat> saying, I don't understand, yeah. nobody loves me. Uh, you say, oh, I was with an avoidant, and uh, it's not a good match for me. So once you know your model, you will kind of look for the a person. You know, sometimes secure people are not a, a big uh, a movie star that arrives on his white horse to pick you up, but they are very, uh, you know, you, you start knowing more what you need and what you, how you can, what makes you feel secure, right? And so it's important for you, for the young, you stop being a victim. You know what you need and you will look for it and you will aim at, you know, again, a relationship. You know, it's three people. There is a woman and a man or the man and man, whatever. And the relationship, the relationship is a third entity and you know what the relationship needs and you become a master you know, Gutman wrote a lot, a lot on, on I, I love his work, but there is a lot of, of great books on attachment. So uh, mm. in English, there is one called Attached, actually, Attached, ED at the end, which is excellent. And uh, 
so uh, I think it's very important. And if you people can reach me, um, can I give my email? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Your yeah. email, your website. That was my next question. Unfortunately, yeah. would you believe oh. that we're coming to an end? We have like four minutes yeah. left. Yeah. Okay. So what is, and we also will name? post your uh, website. What is your website? www.eftpresence.com. Mm -hmm. and, and, and my your email, email? marion.bleak, like my last name, B-L-I-Q-U-E, at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. And you teach classes, yes? Not in English, but I, I might uh, start since I cannot travel anymore. I've been really focusing on uh, on France, but I think I will. I'm ready now to teach. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I, yeah, I know yeah. at one point you and I discussed that possibly you would have a talk uh, on shame, which is a very yeah. interesting subject. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, so maybe another time we'll actually uh, have a show and talk about that. There are a couple of wonderful, wonderful books written, one by Peter, uh, psychiatrist Peter Bregan, Guilt, Shame and Anxiety, then also yeah. David, Dr. David uh, Hawkins wrote uh, on a book called On Letting yeah. Go, yeah. he talks about shame. So there is a lot yeah. of good work done on it, and we also yeah. know that it's the lowest, lowest, the most yeah. devastating uh, feeling. So I would love yeah. you to come uh, next time and talk yeah. also about shame. I would love to. I would love to because shame is so incapacitating and uh, it's really connected with attachment, actually. So uh, with ah. pleasure, anytime, it will be with pleasure. Yeah, Marion, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming for this uh, to this show and, and sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, and, and I, I know, I know you for so many years, I know how much know. you know, how many tools you have. And as I said to, uh, in the beginning, uh, TAT, I learned from you, and I found it being incredibly useful. I would love actually yeah. to share about that too. Anyway, thank okay. you. Thank you very much again. Uh, and Thanks looking for forward to our next uh, interview. And uh, I thank want to you. tell, uh, say, yeah, thanks, Marion. And I want to say to everyone, thank you for being with us today. Our time came to an end. Unfortunately, time runs very fast. And I hope to have your attention uh, next Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Peace to all who want to live in peace. <laughs>